One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode of Force Center is the Clone Wars Report. <laughs> oh no, there's a Kaiju Ken on the loose. Watch out for that. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and the roaring person is, of course, Ken Napson. Oh, my friend, I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm always, I, well, we'll see after the Mieber Gascon arc. Am I still happy to be here? I predict I will be, but happy to be here for a monster in Star that is right that is a great thing to look forward to i think by the time we go through discussing clone wars i think we are going to find all of the richness and the beauty of the meber gascon arc uh, but for now we're talking about a two episode arc this in our single podcast episode we are talking about the zillow beast saga that is the zillow beast a season two episode 18 written by craig tightly directed by giancarlo volpe and then the zillow beast strikes back season two uh, episode 19 written by steve Melching, directed by Stuart 
Lee. Uh, Ken, I got us a summary here. I'm trying to keep these short, and I'm starting to fail. I'm getting too excited about sharing thoughts uh, and summary. So uh, are you ready for the summary? I am absolutely ready. Excellent. War rages on Malastare. The Republic, desperate to sign a treaty and get access to vital Malastare fuel, send Jedi Generals Mace Windu and Anakin Skywalker to oversee the release of the new Electro-Proton Bomb. The bomb does its deadly work, destroying the massive Separatist droid army. But there are unforeseen consequences. The blast also awakens the last of the Zillow Beasts, a towering creature covered in impenetrable scales. The Dugs are terrified and demand the Jedi help kill the beast, or they will withhold their precious fuel. Mace Windu scowls all the way down to his soul. But Anakin comes up with a clever plan. Knock the beast out with Republic's stun tanks. After the beast's defeat, Chancellor Palpatine demands it be brought back to Coruscant for study. When the scientist, Dr. Bull, reveals the secret of the beast's armor can't be discovered while it's still alive, Palpatine orders it killed. Padme protests, but Palpatine insists the beast's death is necessary to save lives and end the war. The Zillow Beast seems aware of Sheev's murderous nature. Monster recognizes Monster, and the Zillow Beast escapes. It hunts the city for Palpatine. Chaos, carnage, and tragedy ensue. That's my summary. Now I want to hear, Ken, your reaction to this episode. Did you love it, like it, struggle with it? Where do you go? Well, first of all, a reac- reaction to your summary is that is your best one ever. Uh, <laughs> a monster recognizes monster. Game recognizes game. I love it. Um, overall reaction is, again, this is a, a repeating record. So glad we're doing this because it's forcing me to sit down and revisit and reevaluate episodes that I overlooked, thought I didn't like. I am not what I would describe as a monster movie fan, meaning, you know, I know, I know some friends who are obsessed with Godzilla in every movie, and all. it's never been me. Uh, I, I And I actually like P, uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong. I know a lot of people don't. I actually kind of like that one. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but uh, here we are. And, and, and things I just, I, it's a testament to, again, I always want to grow as a Star Wars fan and always want to just go back and, 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 and reevaluate what's there. And this episode, these two episodes, man, pretty, uh, not just powerful stuff and, and comments on the war and maybe what you have to do and maybe compromise those kind of things. But the, the, I knew he went, the, I knew the Zillow Beast went through town. Like I remembered that, right? Of course, it's a monster movie. I got it. I got it. The, the connection to Palpatine and the monster basically being like, you ain't good. I was like, <laughs> I, guess I just didn't focus on that much. And I love that angle of it. It's sad. It's tragic. And this is one of the, I actually kind of got teary eyed. Uh, uh, with some of the moments with the Zillow Beast. So powerful uh, two-episode arc. I'm glad we're revisiting. Oh, man, this makes me so happy that that you uh, enjoyed it uh, in a different way on this viewing because I have really loved these episodes. I think I just love them uh, for uh, the when I when I, the first couple times I watched them from just the hey it's a big monster movie, it's a kaiju movie, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But then to really see the depth uh, that it ties into this tale of the war in Star Wars, this particular war of, you know, uh, all of the compromises being made, as you said, and then the fact that Palpatine is behind it all and how that's really exposed to that glaring yellow eye of the Zillow Beast. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that Star Wars depth. But also, I've been looking forward to talking about this one forever because I think about the Zillow Beast episodes all the time because, hmm. you know, I, we talk a lot about how, Star Wars is inspired by very specific things. You know, we talk about the uh, hero's myth, Joseph Campbell, and, and we talk about uh, Kurosawa, and we talk about oh, Hans from, you know, Western movies and all these things that are like the direct stated 
uh, pulls for Star Wars. But how much of it comes from that? Uh, I know I say this all the time, but the pulp, the adventure serial, and that uh, encompasses many genres. And one of the things that makes Star Wars extra fascinating is it can pull from in entirely different genres than its main base ones and really incorporate it beautifully into Star Wars. And this genre pull of the kaiju monster movie makes so much sense for Star Wars to play with um, because it has things to say about Star Wars, but it's also kind of a meta-reflection of Star Wars, that Star Wars is a pulp adventure, a B-movie in some ways, the most expensive B-movie ever. It used to be described as uh, sometimes in the 80s, uh, but it also has depth and heart and soul to it. It is the absurd uh, meets the profound. And the kaiju movies that they're pulling from, like mm-hmm. some monster movies, especially when you get later and it's, you know, they, they get silly and fun on purpose. But what they're pulling from is original Godzilla in 1954, like the Japanese version and like the original King Kong. And they're not just using them to do depth in terms of the Star Wars story, they're pulling out the actual themes that have depth in those original works. In a way, it's it's like saying, look, Star Wars is pulp fun, but it is also depth. And so was the original Godzilla. So was the original uh, King Kong. And maybe the Peter Jackson. I haven't seen it myself, so I won't offer an opinion. Um, but I love that it, it it's, it's not just a pastiche. It's not just taking some of these yeah. ideas and visuals, which they do, and it's beautiful and amazing. But the first episode is the original Godzilla. It is this old horror released by the new one of this horrific bomb. The original Godzilla is really just meditating on the horror of the atomic bomb. And then the second episode is King Kong. It's this monster brought to the city for selfish, stupid reasons. But then with this just brilliant, great inversion that the beast is not, you know, uh, calmed by being obsessed with Fay Ray. It wants to kill Palpatine as evil version of Fay Ray is such a great twist on it, but still getting to that depth. Um, yeah. and, and again, the, the, even if you don't want to go down all of those uh, idea roads, um, these episodes are just beautiful, uh, pulling on the color palette of uh, pulp and, and early paperbacks of these contrasts between the real uh, dark colors with the really bright lurid colors, that misty purple crater, the really bright lurid green of the Malister fuel and gas. And then there's this great, you know, purple red of the Coruscant twilight and the, the color of the, all the lasers. It's just, it's just a, both episodes are just aesthetically beautiful to me too. The, 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 the stuff on Coruscant is just, uh, I, I love spending time on Coruscant more than just meetings and council chambers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, no joke. I think that's why I love Dexter's Diner so much, uh, and, and just to see the terror. And, there, and again, there's absolute destruction. There's, there's these are kind of sad episodes. Uh, I think you're right there. Uh, yeah, the, the pulp covers. Just thinking about a collection of paperbacks on a, at a used bookstore. You're so right to draw from that. Uh, and again, shows shows me. Uh, I, I don't know where my head was early on. You know, I, I'm not. You know, it's not that I didn't see big themes and everything, but sometimes I just think. You sit down, you watch an episode, you're like, ah, no lightsabers, not a lot of pew, 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 monsters, got it. And you move on. And everything you're describing is is so just it is there. And and on the and it's a and it, but it's delivered in a fun way. And I would not I wouldn't I don't think any of these episodes are, are preachy. I don't mm-hmm. think they're wagging fingers. I think they ask you to think about some things if you want it, if you want it, and that's kind of what we talk about here at Four Center too. If you want it, there's some things to think about. If you just want to slide on the surface of it, that's not a problem either because I, I alternate between those sometimes in, in, in moments, even in this episode. 
Uh, I there's some things in it. I'm like, this is some cool war. Oh wait, it is war though. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I think these episodes are visually beautiful. Uh, They're super fun. Uh, I think there's some great comedy in them, so you can really enjoy it on on multiple uh, layers. I also love what you're saying about it not necessarily preaching, which I think is a great segue to get into our morals of the episode. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Every episode of Clone Wars obviously starts with a moral. We always like to discuss them, and I think I think there's something powerful about the morals because I think a lot of times what the morals in star wars are sometimes they're really complex and thorny and sometimes Mm -hmm. they're so simple they're just like things that were on a poster you know in your grade school classroom and the simplicity can hide how difficult they are to follow through on just because an idea is simple to understand doesn't mean it isn't difficult to execute and that's what i thought of these morals this episode of uh, the first one was choose what is right not what is easy and then the second one is the most dangerous beast is the beast within. So what did you think of those morals? Yeah, these ones can apply real easily to office life, trading stocks, uh, <laughs> you know, going to the store, a lot of things here, a lot of things. And you're right. And, and of, the, of all the morals in Star Wars, especially Clone Wars, are a little more complicated or need some thought. They usually involve Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, so on the first one choose what is right is not what is easy here's kind of what I wrote down to to me and and you touched upon it earlier where Godzilla's origins are the Kong origins are you can look at them there's some different angles to look at the Kong origins of the story that some aren't great and some I think where it ends up could be considered uh, you know good lessons and inspiration to take from but monsters often represent our biggest fears perhaps our biggest mistakes and perhaps uh, the results of our own sins against each other and ourselves is where I went with that. It's sounding like a college student trying to turn in an essay here. Um, so it's, but it's, just, it's just clear. This whole arc starts with a big, giant, controversial decision. Uh, this this uh, electro bomb, this uh, this bomb they got to drop. And and I I would argue, say, look, it's it's. I'm not gonna say it's not it's not uh, done. You know, with some. I don't know, good, there's good intentions, not good intentions like yippy skippy good intentions, but they're trying to win a war, and that's the problem of being in a war. You got to try to win a war. Um, so I understand what was going on, but I just love, um, I love all of Mace's moments in the first episode here, uh, yeah. and that fit in back into that choose what is right, not what is is easy. Really good stuff there for that for that one. Uh, the most dangerous beast is, is the beast within us. Um, I wrote yes, and Palpatine is standing right there. <laughs> <laughs> and how literally this episode is about uh, going to the center of the galaxy where the greatest evils actually just living and ruling. And this thing. And then I always say, I say this quote a lot. It's my one of my favorite quotes from George Marmont in Game of Thrones. There's a beast in every man and it stirs when you put a sword in his hand and the sword is in Palpatine's hand. So those are my thoughts. There. Oh, yeah, it is up his sleeve, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. Literally. Uh, yeah, choose what is right, not what is easy is one of those ones that always hits me hard because it's like, Yes, uh, yeah, I yes, I was taught that when I was, you know, probably three years old. G- right. Got it. But then it's like, oh wait, but re- that does come up constantly. You're joking, you know, about uh, Discord and stocks and uh, at yeah. the grocery store and in traffic, you know. Uh, but uh, can etiquette on the convention floor? But it just it, it can be hard to do to say yeah. like, oh boy, eh. I could cut in line here and I'd get in front, but like, yeah, I know it's not right. And like, mm-hmm. the power of just being reminded of that. That is a big scale truth, you know, when a noble Jedi like Mace Windu is trying to navigate a war. Uh, and that's also just like a day to day truth. And it is it is a, a challenge to to hold yourself to that that account uh, all the time. I love what you're saying about the most dangerous beast is the beast within, because it does have that layer of uh, 
within the Republic, within uh, Coruscant society, within the sort of the ranks of the Jedi in so far as Palpatine has managed to manipulate them, that the the beast within is the society. But then also just like your great uh, Jorah Mormont quote uh, of, it's Jorah, right? Yeah, Jorah said, yeah, yeah. Didn't want to give the wrong Mormont credit. Um, <laughs> that yeah, that that idea that you know we can all be our our worst enemy, our our worst uh, impulses uh, are the most dangerous thing, and it speaks well to just like the Zillow Beast cuts past all of the sort of uh, artifice that Palpatine is able to create around himself uh, in the web of of lies and manipulation, mm-hmm. and just go like. You are a monster. I see the beast within you. You know, yeah. This, yeah. This is a, this is a monster arc, and it's all about Palpatine. And fun, you know, to to really, really apply the first moral to real world stuff. There, all right. Um, I'm in charge of the uh, f- uh, podcast editing side, right? Getting the files out. Every you listeners are force center. Every once in a while, when you like, there's a there's a lot of silence, or there's a weird. It seems like a, a music from another episode, or you and Joseph are talking offline, and I have to go and correct it. It's because I do the save as instead of start a new file, which. <laughs> It's the right versus easy. <laughs> <laughs> we all do it. I, you know, and, and uh, nobody's going to be uh, physically hurt uh, if yeah. there's some yeah. uh, empty space on a podcast. But I, I understand uh, the challenge. <laughs> In fact, I think when I watched this episode a couple of days ago, I think I did some minor thing that I wasn't going to do because I didn't feel like it. And I was like, ah, boy, I should choose what is right. <laughs> Star Wars is getting me. <laughs> yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, mm-hmm. we could go off into that, but we're not going to. We're going to go deeper into these two episodes. We've already been talking about some of the big ideas, but we always like to really uh, examine exactly what they are and exactly how they play out in the episode. So, Ken, what to you were uh, some of the big themes or big ideas at stake in this episode or these uh, two episodes? Right. Yeah, I, I called uh, for desperate times, desperate measures. And that's what, you know. The, the, the issue of the bomb is, is I, I'll say that you're, again, complicated, just like I, you're, you're in this situation and, and this can lead to compromised actions. And Mace has it. I was, God, I was scrolling in my notes. I thought I read another quote. I bet you have it as well. There's a lot of great Mace quotes, but there's one point where it's just like, everything we do keeps causing bigger problems. Yeah, like, it's right here. It's right here at the top of my notes. I thought you'd grab it too of Mace Windu. Yeah. One problem always seems to replace another. Oh, there it is. And that is that sliding down the hill. You, you choose what's easy and that, that where it can go. And I, I'm, I'm always, it could, it, as it ties to, and we, we talk about the bigger themes of Star Wars, but just like the Jedi themselves and choosing to fight or choosing to join the Republic, I wouldn't on, on the surface say bad. Being generals, hey, maybe they've done this before. There's a lot of the great debate. Even the High Republic is adding to that debate of Jedi's role and that kind of stuff. But it can just lead to situations where you are finding yourself quietly and subtly compromised and this issue the 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 one with the bomb upsetting the balance uh releasing this unique beast and now the dugs want to kill it and so forth and so on i thought that was a big giant going back to the moral but tying into what's at stake of just you you finding yourself more and more and more out on the ledge yeah yeah i think this what what i really like about what you're pulling out there i thought about it as uh the uh compromises of war but also the cycle of war and how much Mm -hmm. May seem Mace is a great quote machine in these two episodes, uh, particularly the first one. Uh, but he seems it's weighing on him a little bit more. He seems almost a little bit more aware, even than from the first season uh, with some of the Ryloth business, 
how much he's at every step having to compromise or at least consider compromising. Uh, and I, I kind of tried to break break it down. I'll, I'll rush through this quickly, but mm, go for it. there's rush, this great there's this great uh, cycle to it where it it does just escalate, right? Of the Republic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, drops this bomb to save Malastare, and there's already this sense that, like, yeah, no, Mace is not thrilled about developing massive bombs, and the way it's depicted is. Not like, hooray, we won the war. It's like, oh, man, we built another massive weapon. Uh, and all, and they're only doing it so they can buy Malastare's fuel, which, again, is like, okay, it's necessary. Uh, and, of course, it awakens the Zillow Beast, and then Malastare wants to uh, kill the Zillow Beast. And then the Jedi don't want to kill an innocent creature, particularly the last of its kind, uh, because it was defending itself, which gets into some great, uh, when are you defending, uh, when are you attacking Jedi philosophy? And then they keep uh, coming up these justifications that killing things will help end the war, you know, which is a complex moral question that I think Mace himself is trying to wrestle with because the Jedi got into this saying, well, the separatists are attacking. We should defend, but in order to defend, we just we need to end the war really quick. The best way to end the war really quick is to start going on the offense. Anakin even uh, describes that they need the master of fuel to start going on the offensive. Uh, and there's hmm. this decision that well, the kill the got to kill the Zillow beast in order to get the fuel, in order to continue to be on the offense. So. On one hand, you can look at it from Mace's perspective of like, it is this complex moral question. Does the the life of this one beast, you know, outweigh the life of thousands of people that are going to be killed? But then it's manipulated by Palpatine because the war isn't necessary. They don't need to be making this choice. And Palpatine himself doesn't give a damn about any of this life being lost. He just wants power. So you got noble Mace turning himself into pretzels while Palpatine is just lying. Um, and then there, this great cycle of war continues when, you know, Malastare, uh, the dugs on Malastare do just try to use the fuel to kill the beast. And that only angers the beast, which is a great, like <laughs> you attack, then they attack, then you attack, then they attack. And then of course Palpatine, uh, tries to kill it. And then it's like, oh no, uh, I got to kill you. And it, you get another escalation once the beast is, uh, on Coruscant and a bunch of people die and it's a rampage. Uh, pointlessly and then tragically the beast is eventually killed and then we're still left with this this uh cliffhanger of palpatine wants to clone it for some future horror uh so this whole episode is this great like exactly what mace windu says one problem always seems to replace another showing you how these compromises in these escalations just keep coming uh particularly you know from war but particularly when it is being manipulated behind the scenes by someone like Palpatine. Right. I was, you know, even if you, you know, you, we're not taking Pal- Palpatine's true intentions out of it, that that's factored in, but even just a simple level, I pull these two quotes, not necessarily from the same beats, but you got Mace telling Dr. Bull, uh, it's the improbable that concerns me, doctor. There must be other options. Then flip side of that is Palpatine at one point saying, this bomb is our only hope for victory now. yep and that is great that the jedi being like expansive and going well let's be creative let's think through this in a different way and Palpatine's like nope push the red murder button it's the only way yeah yeah and later on he says in 219 when he in looking at the beast he says such size such power 
what a what that word always seems to come out of Palpatine's mouth. Yeah, in some ways, this first episode is just there's some great Anakin stuff. Uh, it's fun to see the Dugs, but in some ways, it's uh, it's Mace's episode and in. Uh, some great moments for Anakin and Padme uh, in the second episode, but that is it's it's a Mace episode and a Palpatine episode, which is kind of fun. Right. Uh, any other like big picture ideas or themes that you wanted to discuss? I, I it's it's uh, I, it, I I'd say it's big. I, Mace is um, a lot of the focus is on on him saying you know this is a unique life form, and uh, there's some you know if if you like uh, Rose saving the five years, here's another moment of 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 animals or life forms or innocence. Um, and, and the Je- a Jedi saying, you know, that's, we must, uh, that's not right. <laughs> you know, this is a unique life form. I know what it's doing. You also did that to it. Uh, it was down there just having a great old time. <laughs> now we've done this. So I like some of that. It's kind of a bigger star Wars theme, uh, uh, to me or a bigger, uh, and what's also at stake here, which is also driving some of the decisions to not just, um, out and out to destroy this beast. Uh, whereas again, Palpatine clearly just sees this little beast as nothing more than an animal in the way of his powers. As he kind of uh, says, as he continues to sell his big lie that I just want to end the war. <laughs> I'm just trying to save people. That's all. Yeah. yeah. I love uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, there's the, in the second episode there, there's uh, he's just, uh, he said, cause it's a truth. It's a truth. He's, he's saying, Look, there's there's people dying in, in, in this galaxy. My people under my watch, I, I can't I can't even stop it. It's so much this war, you know. And, and it's like, and again, well, who started the war, Palpatine? We we know that, but you know, it, it, it it's it's not always easy. I get it, and and, and and but I just love that all that's at play in this in this monster episode. Again, I'm I'm hitting my own head, going. I guess you just weren't paying attention back then, but um, all that uh, kind of jumbled mess into. a big theme of of uh, protecting the innocent is what i see yeah no i really like it we we have talked a lot lately about um star wars relationship to beasts and sometimes they're monsters that are just a cool obstacle that you uh, that jedi or you if you're playing a video game have to hack apart and it's great to see an episode where mace is somebody who is absolutely willing to use his blade when he feels it is right and to see him yeah. say it's not just the beast it's the principle and yes. to know that he's not just like a hey i have a you know don't don't ever you know attack monsters or you know <laughs> kill beasts uh principle it's you know this one doesn't need to be killed and so we really shouldn't uh, that was cool to see mace dig his heels in there um i also just think that it, kind of borrowing from godzilla and king kong and you know mm-hmm. uh, other places as well this general idea of the exploitation of nature that a lot of times in these episodes, what's at stake could be a MacGuffin, but it is rarely just a, hey, it's a briefcase. You don't know what's inside, whatever. It's so our heroes can do a thing. Almost always in these episodes, whatever is actually motivating the plot is meaningful too. And the fact that this is all based around Malastare fuel, this specific mm-hmm. uh, resource of nature that the Dugs have you know, dug up and it's tied to the, uh, you know, excavation discovery of this fuel is what killed all the Zillow beasts uh, to begin with. And the Republic in order to build these ships of war and fuel them need this, uh, this fuel and they're doing willing to do anything to get it. And then of course the Zillow beast himself, just absolutely it's, it's uh, directly a peaceful natural creature who had found a way to exist uh, beneath the surface. And then everybody just is seeing it. Not everybody, uh, Padme, 
and Anakin right. and Mace up to a point. Uh, but so many of the characters are just seeing it as a resource to be taken, exploited, altered from its natural state into something that is valuable to them. Even the doctor, who I think is is portrayed as a, uh, you know, at first, like, uh, oh, it's Dr. Bull built this horrific uh, bomb, uh, but then eventually has some some morality about not killing the Zillow beast or causing it unnecessary pain. But at first, Dr. Bull says the beast is a priceless resource, just literally yeah. naming it as a resource. The yeah. such size, such power line from Palpatine is just like, yep, yep. And then even ending with a, you want me to clone the beast, even in death, it's still that greed of what can I get from it. And I think that to me is the real, the King Kong connection yeah. of that, uh, you know, original film being like, we're not just like anthropologists trying to understand what's going on with uh, Skull Island and who Kong is and what this history is. It's like, <laughs> but, but people will pay tickets. Take him to the city, you know, people buy, you know, buy to see him chained up. So it is so much about greed and how can nature value, you know, nature give me money. Yeah, <laughs> give me money. Yeah. Dr. Bull eventually has the, what I described as the uh, uh, Bilbo Baggins at the end of Desolation of Smog moment of what have we done? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. You want me to clone the beast? Yeah, great yep. ending. Um do you have any uh, thoughts on kind of the bigger picture Star Wars themes that are invoked by these episodes? Uh, you, you touched a lot of uh, what I wanted to get on. Of once again, kind of Star Wars using war to comment on on war and how, again, we touch upon it, I think, uh, in the last couple of, well, yeah, the Bounty Hunter episode, too. Of, uh, once again, you got resources uh, driving force, which, as he said earlier, there are important. Resources are important, but... Uh, to carry on Mace's quote a little bit more, it, it isn't the creatures of principle allowing the dugs to kill to kill it violates what we stand for as Jedi. It's pretty just simple there from Mace. And that's a, that's a, to me is a, it's almost kind of a sample of balance imbalance in the force because now the Jedi must, they must defend the creature over the treaty and the treaty is important and, and getting more systems into the Republic and getting the resources like end the war, all important, but you're already there. And I like that Mace takes that stand and I, you know, maybe one day we'll, you and I will do just a four center deep dive into the, the rights and wrongs of Mace because he does some things wrong, particularly with Anakin. He does a lot of things right. I always say he, he seems to be the one that uh, keeps predicting things <laughs> with his quotes. So I love that Mace is at the center of this, you know, the nature of the force, uh, light, death, uh, light, darkness, death, life, all those kind of things we keep talking about. It's, it's kind of on display here for me of just like it's all in balance now. We've put it into imbalance and we've got to try to get it back to, to, to balanced. Yeah, no, that's great. I really like that. And I, I think there's some fascinating stuff with Mace and Anakin that I want to discuss, uh, you know, when mm -hmm. we get to kind of connections to uh, to canon, because I think there's some great uh, groundwork laid for both of them. So I love what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, for myself, I, I think this is one of those episodes that really taps for me into that uh, deep connection that Star Wars invokes in me of the contrast between the new and the old. The fact that this is an ancient beast that is you know, literally uh, buried underground the way the Dugs talk about it of, you know, it, the, you know, it long ago, it devoured our ancestors, right? It's, it's yeah. this deep fear of, you know, the old dangers can be awakened in the fact that it is awakened by this new terror. And, and I love the way that bomb is executed to be like, well, yeah, great. It's a it's a new bomb that only destroys droids. We should all be happy about that. But it is presented horrifically. It's described as a doomsday device. So yeah. you get this uh, great Star Wars flavor of 
the new and the old, this brand new tech awakening, this ancient beast. And then you get a little bit of that, you know, organic versus uh, the technical uh, from the bomb versus the beast. Then seeing the beast in the city of like Coruscant is is all high tech. It is all uh, built, you know, to to be sort of rigid the way a city needs to be to stand up. And then you got this absolutely wild beast in it. It's great stuff. Mm. Um, yeah. Other thing for me is just tracking the war it is uh, as I love doing and realizing as we're watching these episodes, how much the state of the war is there always in the, the great uh, newsreel setup uh, that this is described as one of the longest and deadliest battles of the war so far on Malastare. Yeah. Um, and that Malastare is in the mid rim. So, First season, we were all still trying to fight uh, for the outer rim control, and it looks like the battle's pushing inward. And like I said before, that great mention from Anakin of like, well, we've gone from defense, and we need to start going on the offensive to end the war. Wow, a Jedi would a Jedi said that. Mm, yeah, that. yeah, a Jedi, but perhaps a troubled one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other thoughts before we take our break? I love in the second episode, uh, we got uh, some great Padme stuff. We got, don't have a ton of Padme in this uh, first episode, not at all. But, uh, you know, when she shows up, Padme comes to play. You, you described her once as moral compass, and I can't unhear that or um, stop believing that. Um, Padme has some great moments there. And, and this idea you touched on of just one death over many, uh, perhaps if you're Tywin Lannister, that's a fair trade. Uh, but what is the cost? And, and we have to we have to at least analyze it, even if you're going to make the decision take a moment to think about it. <laughs> right. Please. Yeah. It's oh, all maybe Padme's asking. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I'm breaking it down to the base level, but I love that, that she's there and, and Padme stays consistency consistent. Uh, and, and that's very important to the larger, just uh, perspective of star Wars. Follow Padme. Yeah. I think at this point I might just add that to my uh, personal list of big ideas in star Wars is uh, listen to Padme period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And you'll be okay. All right, we are going to take a quick break, and then we'll discuss all the big action, some of the great funny moments, and some of the more uh, canon connections in these two great episodes. We will be right back. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Force Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Force Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138 
right, we are back on the Clone Wars Report. We got more fun and more depth to dig into, so let's talk action, Ken. Did you have some favorite action moments from these two episodes? Well, don't mind if I do, yes. So here it is. We're digging deep. We're looking around the corners of, of this little monster movie to, to dig into the big themes and what's at stake in Star Wars. But also, it's got cold bombing. Um, I actually really did love the opening sequence as a Y-Wing fan, uh, seeing the Y-Wing, seeing the red Y-Wing, uh, and there's some great, um, uh, if you want to watch the featurettes like I always do, uh, Filoni explaining uh, the, the designs on the helmets and, and, and the odes to other monster movies and characters and stuff like that. It's great stuff. Um, but also, even though you know what, you know, you know what's going to happen, it's one of those things like the bombing run was very tension filled, mm-hmm. very nicely directed and, and just the pacing, the editing, everything about it. Uh, I, I really liked in terms of if you want to just watch some pew, pew, pew. It, it was that. But it, it, the tension was there. The tension, like it's like the, the way the, sh- the way it was shot, everything like almost like a World War Two type of of movies. So even, you know, even in the monster movie, you're also got a war movie going on. It, it really was a nice sequence. And I liked it. Yeah. I loved that opening battle. Cause it just, for me, it hit on every level it, it there were some, you know, cool ships. There's some cool moments, but it had that great tension of who's, how's this battle going to go? And, you know, set up well with the bomb itself of that real question of, of new weaponry of, is this going to work? And even if it does, are we going to be able to put that genie back in the bottle if it does something we don't expect? You know, so that tension is built really well um, through the way it is shot. And it is just it's thrilling and fun because that is a part of why we watch something called Star Wars Yeah, <laughs> for some cool wars. And for myself, from the just cool visuals, you know, I really like the uh, the vulture droids. I like that they can go from walking to flying and we don't always see that. And this one was a really great shot of them kind of, you know, skittering up and then launching in the sky and being all flippy and creepy. <laughs> I love that. I love skittering things in Star Wars. Yeah. The more we need more skittering in Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> uh, I also just really I, I was very happy to see the Y Wings. I always like them. Uh but the Arc 170 is a ship I, I come to yeah. love more and more over the years. Uh, I think partially because I really like uh, flying it in Battlefront 2. So yeah. some just high quality Arc 170 shots. Um for keeping Star Wars weird and having different uh, different kind of uh, planets and different cultures having different technology, I love the weird dug disc throwers where they like they drop that like explosive hockey puck yeah. <laughs> on like this. It looks like it's like a toy from the '90s that you can launch this weird disc. It's so great. Yeah, uh, put a, put a pin in that one. But I love that it's it's. For the dogs who are kind of this uh, interesting uh, species and, and, you know, walk of their hands and you know, obviously we, with Sebulba's, uh, that's how we're introduced. But to have this like, it's like construction equipment. <laughs> like I'm like, did they turn that into war machines or something? Because you got a, you got a, you know, a, you know, lift, you got a separate part that puts the disc on the thing and the disc flings it like a digital trebuchet. I don't know. Like it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's something pretty special. It really is. I love that. I hadn't thought about it, but you're right. It does look like, well, we were building a skyscraper, but instead we need to fight some droids. So we'll uh, convert our equipment. Uh, The last thing from the big battle, which I really love, and I think is one of those nice little touches to just give it depth and really bring to surface that Star Wars theme of the organic versus the mechanical. I love the horror of the, the bomb working on the droids, but then Anakin's arm shorting out. It's, oh, it's so great. 
Yes, I, I, I noted that too. It is uh, one of those just like, <laughs> look at that. Yep, that's right. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, a little, I love I love little Star Wars geek geek out moments, and that was one for me. Yeah, and it's just such a, a great little way, such a great little way. Uh, mm-hmm. I get uh, too excited to get my words out uh, <laughs> to to show that idea of unintended consequences and make it feel personal and real. Because at this point, Anakin's still our hero, and you know, even he's standing there going like, yeah, this bomb that uh, shorts out all, all tech, that should work. Oh, right. I'm mm-hmm. part tech. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Great stuff. Uh, what is uh What are some other moments for you? Um, I almost, I, I, this could slide into comedy and whimsy, but I, I also put an action. Anakin trying to, to uh, lightsaber the Zillow beast, just slide. And then just like, huh? And then it's a great comedy moment, but also I love, I just kind of love when Jedi aren't uh, can't rely on all their tricks. Sometimes uh, it's a fun little thing. It's like an anti-action moment almost for me. Just like cool. Now you got to find another way. And uh, we'll come back to R two in a second here. Uh, just a sequence of the Zillow Beast climbing out uh, when he uh, when he first emerges. Straight mm-hmm. monster movie stuff. But also in the second episode of this arc, the sirens on Coruscant as the Zillow Beast hits the city. Chilling straight monster movie Godzilla. And also maybe World War II type of a vibe there. And then the final one, I almost would put this in comedy as well, but uh, in the second ep- episode, I love seeing a, a Star Cruiser land. I don't know. It's so um, it's so silly to me. And there's some, the comedy stuff comes a little bit with a lot of Anakin and Fallen and all those kind of lines. But it's, I don't know what it is. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with big uh, construction trucks. Like my dad would buy me the books that are like 12 ton pick uh, you know uh, dump trucks as uh, the size of a skyscraper as a kid i just was afraid but also in awe of the size and so i love seeing just a star cruiser land in star wars especially on course and whether it's crash landing or not silly is it action for little kenny it is and i like it well clearly everyone behind clone wars agrees with you because it is extremely rare to see a, a ship arrive somewhere without an extended landing sequence in the animation yeah. <laughs> so That's- you are not alone in that uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm with you on a lot of these moments. I, I think, you know, it was hard for me not to write down everything the Zillow Beast does. Every shot of the Zillow Beast, it's all beautiful. But in particular, I really like the Anakin versus the Zillow Beast in the pit because it starts with this great knight versus the dragon, right? To see mm-hmm. him first ignite his blade. And obviously the Jedi Knights come from this whole knight uh, lineage. But then to see it up against an actual dragon and not really be able to pump your fist because you know there's all this moral ambiguity uh, mm. which builds up to that totally ineffectual lightsaber strike and I, I love the oh what's he doing what, what clever thing is Anakin up to oh he's just run up to the top of the Zilby's head to dive off on R2 yeah. it's a great just ineffectual um, yeah then a couple moments of Zillow Beast actually attacking uh, I, I love when the Zillow Beast in the first episode uh, just picks up two of those Republic stun tanks and smashes them together <laughs> Yes, it's one of my favorite aggressive monster uh, moves. You just like push, ah, smash them together. And then uh, perhaps, perhaps one of my favorite beats of action. I love in the second episode, the Zillow Beast smashing through the big screen with Palpatine's public service announcement. There's oh, yeah. the whole, you know, episode as we were talking about is cathartic to have somebody see Palpatine because we, the audience, know all the time we have to kind of suffer through, you know, in a in a good way. <laughs> the tragedy yeah. of like, ah, if you only knew. And it's so, I don't know. It's just like, it's so refreshing to just see like the Zillow beast knows. And this is Palpatine at his most just full of BS, right? Of like, 
Please, mm-hmm. everything will be okay. I will protect you from the beast that I unleashed for selfish reasons. And to see the Zill Beast just smash through that screen, it, it's like seeing him just smash through uh, Palpatine's BS, you know? I love it. For for all all the Star Wars, the call is coming from inside the house with Palpatine. And here you got the uh, the monster, like you said, the monster seeing the monster. I, monster recognized monster. Put that on a postcard because that's, that's, uh, that's great. <laughs> uh my only other bit of action, which can also slide into comedy, is I love uh, Yoda and Ayla Sakura just doing all these cool runs and flips around the monster and then eventually realizing, what are we doing? This is having no effect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, let's get into moments of comedy and whimsy and weirdness. So what uh, what made you uh, laugh or smile? Yeah, a few things. Uh, one, uh, it's Mason um, when the bomb is dropped and then uh Zillow B starts to emerge and it very clearly something's wrong and mace goes the ground is sinking i just want to be like thanks a pad load chet yeah we know we see it thank you. thank you for that um there's that uh and I, there's a later on uh, you know palpatine uh, says uh and, and rest master windu's conscience and i love that because knowing that they'll be fighting soon and it doesn't end well for mace unfortunately but what you know you got to think there's some hidden not and not so hidden jabs between the two and it just kind of like exploded into that moment too which might maybe fuel into mace going anakin uh i'll, I'll call you when i'm done i gotta go settle some scores i i, I may be reading a lot into it but i just kind of like the little rivalry there oh yeah no i think uh i think mace has lots of reason to be angry and lots of reasons to fight his anger uh <laughs> in revenge of the sith there when he goes to make an arrest um yeah yeah. yeah, this one had a bunch of great comedy moments for me. Uh, one I just wanted to point out, this isn't comedy. I would say this is whimsy and weirdness. Of They're so pulling from Godzilla, uh, King Kong, Kaiju in general, and I think they successfully designed something really different, including that the Zillow Beast does just appear to just plain old straight up have a third arm on its back. Yes. Which I love. It's not a fin. It's not some like weird horn that shoots fire. It's just third arm on the back why not yeah Yeah. rear rear uh, rear uh, windshield wiper yeah yeah exactly (laughs) uh and then more kind of moment to moment um we track our battle droid comedy this was like some dark comedy i love the one battle droid that's seen the bomb come down and says "Uh uh-oh and then tries to run just totally breaks rank just like i i give up my commission (laughs) i don't care (laughs) And, a, and it's so pointless because the bomb is so big. It, it made me laugh in a in a sad way. Yeah, in a sad way. In a sad way. In a sad way. Uh, I got a few more. Do you have more? I do have a couple little moments here. Um, weirdness. I'll say weirdness and in, in a wonderful way. Uh, Dodge or uh, Eurus, who's the uh, the, the uh, head uh, dug there, signs the treaty with like a stylus pen, <laughs> like on an iPad or something. It really is. Yeah, it was almost like he is agreeing to a meeting on an old Blackberry or something. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, let me just ding, 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 ding. I love that. Uh, I love a little line of 3PO saying to R2, hello, you're not in trouble again, are you? Uh, just just funny. Uh, and then uh, I, I'm sure you got this one too, but Rex saying a lot of the general's plans involve falling. <laughs> I have that one in a, a line uh, very close to it from Mace Windu, partially based on uh, Terrence Carson or TC Carson's a, a great delivery of how can it be a plan if it's improvised? <laughs> yeah. Just being absolutely uh, fed up. And also confirmation that canonically Mace Windu prefers sketch comedy to improv comedy. Uh, he likes it scripted, damn it. 
a couple other for me. Uh, I, I like there's some just good moments of uh, Anakin uh, being heroic, but also funny, which uh, we'll talk about the heroism. But for the funny, I like it when he's flying down there with his ship. And he says, I can't see R2. Turn on your beacon. And then the Zilbeast pops up and just great delivery on. Never mind. <laughs> yep. Yep. Mm hmm. Uh, this exchange in the uh, second episode of Dr. Bull saying it may be intelligent and then Palpatine saying, I find that hard to believe. It is, after all, just an animal. And then the Zillow Beast growls and Bull says, it didn't like your comment. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, that's just communicating the narrative. That's the moment where Zill really sees uh, who and what Palpatine is. But you know, obviously, the internet was uh, was around and thriving when this was made, but I think it didn't like your comment to me has only grown as having some uh, metatextual meaning. Eh. Yes. The Zillow Beast is going to uh, have some <laughs> have some feedback on your comment there, Palpatine. Yeah. Uh, the other Palpatine line I liked is the, I should have known secrets don't stay secrets for long around here. Like, mm. wow, what a just asshole thing to say to yeah. <laughs> to Padme and Anakin. No, he knows what he's saying. He's just like, oh god, what a jerk. That's great. That's great. great. It's like a uh, CW high school drama. Not, <laughs> not Clone Wars, but CW the network drama. <laughs> the Clone Wars on CW. Yeah, young, sexy Rex. Yeah. Uh, any other moments of comedy or whimsy for you? I mean... It's uh, I also think it's a lore connection to other stories, but R2 flying Anakin to safety. Once again, R2, the hero of the galaxy. Uh, without him, a lot of things go wrong. But also, it, in this tense, super, uh, you know, deep, uh, moral, commenting monster episode, you got Anakin riding on the back of R2. I like that. Yeah, no, that's got it's got some fun. I, R2 uh, is busy in this episode, even though he doesn't have a lot of screen time. Uh, I think that's a great a moment of whimsy to call out. Let's talk about uh, some of the big uh, canon lore connections to other stories. Um, so obviously, uh, Malastare is, you know, home of the Dugs, but has been colonized by the Gran. And of course, they're uh, represented in the Senate uh, by the Gran, which we see in The Phantom Menace. Um, and then, of course, you know, that that stylus pen is used <laughs> and they do end up with a treaty with the Republic. So obviously that's got some. Uh, canon and some repercussions there and interesting to see so much in the clone wars right we, we see character uh, a, a species or a culture that we know from one character in one way like sabulba and then we see them uh kind of what they're like as uh, as a culture and these particular uh dogs are still a little like sabulba right <laughs> yeah it's uh i look uh you talk about monster recognized monster grumpy recognizes grumpy i appreciate it i respect it a little uh, you know uh bad attitudes going on there i get it yeah yeah um so i got some character stuff i want to talk about but i want to see if you have other uh canon or lore connections that jumped out to you yeah i'll talk yeah there's some yeah um little ones here uh so just the fact that anakin speaking to dogs i was like is it did did he when he landed did he be like i oh, i knew one of you you all know sabalba i defeated him in a race you all hear about that and they're all like that's they're all mad at him about that. Like he probably saw a Sabobo racing poster on a wall and was like, oh yeah, I knew Sabobo. Uh, Anakin's Jedi Starfighter getting crunched. You know, we know the big switch in uh, Jedi Starfighters between episode two and episode three. So I was like, okay, is this, is this it? Is this the one? We'll have to track that. Uh, oh yeah. Does he trade up? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Bigger one, uh, I, I think uh, it, this was uh, not so much a direct uh, 100% connection, but it made me think, you know, uh, Palpatine's really interested in that impenetrable armor. Really loves that. Really loves that idea. And we even get in uh, the modern Thrawn stuff from Timothy Zahn. I think it was a book two in the Thrawn trilogy where, you know, the Palpatine and Dooku, and they're all kind of building kind of, uh, they want the clone, the clone troopers to be in armor that uh, might give the Jedi trouble. Like, I just kind of... Is a direct connection? I don't think that I was even trying to dig into that, but it's like the idea of even then Palpatine's thinking like something's coming, right? It would really help me if the clones couldn't be just chopped down by lightsabers easily. Yeah, no, I like the specificity of that. Uh, I think that's a a great call out. Yeah, I I looked up uh, the old Zillow Beast on Wikipedia and, you know, found that there was one Zillow Beast that appeared in the uh, Age of Resistance Kylo Ren comic book, but not that there was any direct follow up to uh, this episode. Mm, Gotcha. Gotcha. So uh, maybe there is buried somewhere, hidden even from Wikipedia. I did not look on the Legends tab. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's a great pull with the Thrawn novel. I had forgotten that that was such a focus, uh, but it makes perfect sense of like, let's uh, let's make armor that uh, Jedi can't quite get through. That would be nice. Um, some character stuff that I wanted to talk about. We've talked around this, but I really wanted to talk about this specific pressure on Mace. I think this whole arc is a great example of Palpatine and his war forcing the Jedi to compromise their values, particularly Mace. You already said a lot of great stuff about this, of how much is Mace, uh, when he marches into that office in Revenge of the Sith, thinking of every moment. Like, remember when you made me almost kill that Zill Beast? Remember when you made me do this? Remember when you made me do that? You know, uh, it's it's just such a great putting pressure on Mace. But the other moment that I was really, it's just a small, quick moment, but it was so, this is what makes Mace different. when the Dugs are trying to kill the Zillow Beast after Mace has asked them not to, Mace jumps down and says, order them to stop. He ignites his purple blade and, uh, and uh, Urus, Dog, Doge, <laughs> Dougie, uh, Doge, Urus, how, what is it? Dig Dug, I'm calling him Dig Dug, you know. Dig Dug. <laughs> uh, the lead Dug, uh, responds when Mace says, order them to stop and puts that blade in his face, says, or what? We are innocent life forms too. And then has a husky little laugh, (laughs) Uh, which is just a great continuation uh, and development of Mace's character that his, he is clearly a champion of the light. I don't think Mace Windu is a gray Jedi, but his instinct is that, Hey, Jedi have power. And that's the whole point of us is that we have made the active choice to use that power to stop things that we think are not just. And he's got that instinct to just resolve things with power. Mm-hmm. And and I thought this was such a great example of it where he does just kind of, he has that instinct to be like, I, I want to see if I can just scare you mm-hmm. into obeying me and doing what I think is the moral thing. And the Doug kind of calls him out on it. And it's like, oh, you're trapped. You're not, I know you're not actually going to cut me down, Jedi. So I thought mm-hmm. that was a really fascinating moment. Uh, look, there's so much to Mace. I, I'd love, again, I keep saying, but I'd love to uh, take some deep dives into Mace because, um, yeah, it is. It's frustrating. It, it's this, uh, <laughs> it's almost like uh, uh, a Dodger, Dodger Eris is uh, uh, doing some good old what about, what about isms. Um, <laughs> And yeah, it's 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 a, that's a great one because the, the fact that the blades in his face too, it's like uh, Mace is uh, you know again you you must go against that nature like I said, beast in every man and and uh, Mace uh, doesn't that's an easy path 
there you go, tying to those morals again. Yeah, yeah. I love that we just uh, see him see him try it, and uh, and he doesn't quite work. Um, and then, I, you know, there's a lot of great stuff with Anakin. I think this was uh, one of these uh, great episodes where we see the sad, tragic inevitability of where Anakin is heading, but then we also see this pressure where, oh, but he, he had these other influences and he could have made a better decision. Um, I love that uh, Obi-Wan knows like, oh, okay, well, Palpatine's doing something we don't, uh, we aren't happy with. Well, uh, I'll talk uh, to Padme to talk to Anakin to talk to Palpatine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it kind of works, right? Uh, so in that meeting that Anakin and Padme have, Anakin is, is, you know, promoting what he generally does, which is pretty militaristic views that a, a offense is the best defense and we should, you know, just uh, use our power and, and end this war as quickly as possible, as firmly as possible. Much like Mace, Anakin, you know, prefers uh, direct action. And he pretty consistently, in, including that great scene in Attack of the Clones with the Padme picnic, he's not a big fan or student of the subtleties of democracy. <laughs> he's always like, but if somebody is going to do the right thing, then why do we all have to vote on it? Cause it's the right thing. Right. Uh, so we see those militaristic views that desire for direct action. Uh, we see how easily manipulated he is by Palpatine, but then we also see him, you know, trying to learn from Obi-Wan and Padme. It's in the first episode where he's the one who comes up with the great third option. Well, where look, what if we just, you know, it's not, kill it or fight the dugs to keep it alive what if we knock it out and here's an idea to try so it's anakin who comes up with the great third option that is the kind of the best one uh until it gets manipulated by palpatine and then there's that great moment uh in in the second episode in the in palpatine's office where he's getting pushed and pulled between padme and palpatine and he instead of citing he just was like you both have great points I bet a third option will present itself. It's like, oh, look at him trying. Yeah. Uh, great stuff. I, I put, another, put this note down, too, of that they, they mean kind of everyone, feel uh, Anakin can influence the Chancellor, which also means they acknowledge the close connection, which also means, like, pay attention. Uh, because here you got Palpatine making all these points and Anakin sees. I think about that attack of the clones, uh, Nab- Naboo love picnic. Uh, between Padme and Anakin just kind of, uh, you know, talking about uh, the government and Anakin showing the early signs of, uh, yeah, just put one guy in power. That'll be right, right? I, I, and so you're so right to bring all that stuff up, Joseph. It, it, it's pretty deep. And and a testament, this episode is a testament to just knowing, not just knowing a character as writers, that what they, but knowing where Anakin is at this point of his, his life and and the connections and the options and the decisions that you, you know, and, and the, and the mentors, it all is going both ways. And it's this, he's this intersection that kind of keeps moving through it all and then moving in the wrong direction. And they, it's some real subtle, powerful, great character work. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think for me, it's some of these moments that make me really love Anakin in the clone wars. And I think it adds to uh, his, his overall arc where it doesn't ever feel like he is just destined to, you know, make this horrible choice that he does, that there are these moments where it seems like some hope of like, he's even Palpatine calls him out. of like, Oh, you, you've been listening to Obi-Wan. Great. Great. Uh, and just, it, it increases the tragedy of like, Oh, you, you could have continued down that path. Anakin. Totally. Yeah. Great stuff. 
And then the the Padme uh, that I wrote down is the Padme is always right watch uh, to see uh, when when <laughs> uh, when she will maybe not be right. Um, at least in the Clone Wars, uh, I love her quote of "It's what we're capable. It's what we are capable of." That frightens me. Really goes to that uh, moral of the the beast within. Um, but I like that she just immediately brings up the straightforward democracy concern, saying that it's immoral to kill an innocent creature brought here against its will, because what does the creature want? But then even, even if there is an argument to be made that that creature's death will save, uh, you know, millions of other beings that they are responsible for, she makes this democratic argument that, well, one person shouldn't decide that in secret. There should be an open public debate. And I think that is, for me, where I do think that Padme... Moments like that is like where I think Padme is uh, the moral compass. And also, I think the political compass of Lucas. I think there are moments where her argument of this tricky uh, moral question that needs to be solved in society, well, how do you solve it? And she often is like, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying I'm just right. I'm saying we have, a, we have developed a, a function by which to discuss these things and come to agreement. It's our democracy. She's so often defending democracy. She's not saying the separatists are right or wrong ever. She's saying, if we sit down, if we don't raise an army and, and show them a fist, if we sit down with them, maybe we can find a solution or a compromise to these complicated problems. And I love that, that detail, that that's what she was fighting for. Yeah, no, again, that's why I think you're so 100% right about the, the, the term moral compass. And, and we can joke and say that Padme is always right watch, and, and we should listen, as we said, and, and keep watching. I think some of her mistakes go in her personal life, which ties into what she could or felt she could or could not allow herself to have, which are fascinating kind of wrinkles into this great characters. Why we love discussing Padme stuff here. And I think you're right. And, and you can, you, you go to revenge of the Sith and you build back from that. Uh, this is how, uh, you know, Liberty dies moment, uh, famous and everyone knows it. And I hear it quote a lot, but just you build back from that and what, what this all means to her, what she's been trying to do for so long. It adds a lot of weight to some of the little moments, we admit, little moments in Revenge of Sith we get with Padme. And and that's one of the successes of the Clone Wars. It builds those moments up to me. Absolutely. And and I think you're very right to point out it. It's a very uh, intriguing discussion that we should have at at, uh, at some point about all of the the marriage, the secret marriage, uh, how we feel about that. Um, and being a little facetious with the Padme is always right uh, because yep. she is also you know presented as a character, a, a human character who can make mistakes and, and yeah. be torn in different directions. I just think it's powerful when we're being presented with characters like Palpatine who are blatantly manipulating everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, Anakin, who is torn. Uh, Obi-Wan, who maybe has some blinders on. Uh, the Jedi, who are striving to do the right thing, but this is the tale of them making mistakes, that Padme is often positioned as the one who is defending the system as it as it works, as it, as it maybe should be. And I yeah. think that's that's what's powerful about it. Yeah, yeah, a beacon of what could be right. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, like I mean, Padme and Ahsoka are like these breaths of fresh air of like, ah, well, if they had done that, maybe things would have been yeah. okay. Totally. Uh, I love the Bale and Mon Mothma cameo. Just that, you know, hey, the Senate's yeah. shaking, so why not show Bale and Mon Mothma? <laughs> like, did they pull those designs from another episode? I love that. I'm glad you pointed that out. I forgot to make a note of that. And then, like, you got Orrin Freetack kind of roaming around. 
Oh yeah, yeah. We got it's a, just a Senator Palooza. Great times yeah. there. Uh, uh, Masamita, Stephen Stanton voicing Masamita. Great stuff showing up there. It's it's a full uh, just a cavalcade of prequel heroes and and favorites. Oh yeah, and Masamita, great job by Stephen Stanton uh, on the voice work. Uh, you know, we know Masamita is just down to support whatever Palpatine wants, and his lines. Some of his lines, I didn't write them down, but just the way they're delivered by Stephen Stanton are so great to be uh, punchable. Like you want to punch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And I know Stephen Stanton uh, acted that on purpose and it's really great. It's good stuff. Uh, there, We've been watching on this because the first season started with a lot of this. There was a decent amount of uh, repeated or callback lines. Uh, oh, yeah. In these two episodes, we got uh, We're Doomed from 3PO, classic. We got a Here's Where the Fun Begins from Anakin, classic. Uh, in the first episode, Mace Windu, I have a bad feeling about this. Second episode, Palpatine, uh, I've got a bad feeling about this. Both variations on the famous phrase. Uh, we get a straight-up Wilhelm scream when the Zillow Beast stomps on a trooper and sends him flying, which we don't always get uh, Wilhelm screams in Clone Wars proper. And then perhaps uh, my favorite uh, is when when Anakin does suggest a that perhaps a third path will present itself, Palpatine says, Master Kenobi has taught you well. <laughs> Which is, you know, a, a paraphrasing of something Vader himself later says, and just such a great line for Palpatine to be like, I gotta get rid of that Kenobi guy eventually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did you uh what did you think about uh, the repeated lines? Did you enjoy yeah. them? Were they too much? It was just right. I, the the I wrote down specifically the Anakin. Uh, here's where the fun begins. Uh, I just because uh, you got to remember at the time they're presenting him too. Uh, there's a different view of the prequels than now, you know, in terms of just even the core Star Wars fans. And so they're just just kind of I love just kind of blatantly going, yeah, that we're gonna we're we're connecting to those movies you might be having problems with. We're gonna make you like some of those lines. You're, we're gonna make you go, oh yeah, that line. Oh wait, oh gosh, did I just admit to liking it? Uh, and I just, that's the way I take a lot of it. And it's just fun and a little fun in Star Wars. is a, It's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, uh, that connection to, uh, to Anakin. There's, there's one place earlier too, where he, when he shouted, it's not working. I was like, or this <laughs> isn't working. It's like, why is that so familiar? I was like, oh, cause he, cause, uh, Matt yeah. Lanter kind of delivered it with the same cadence, uh, that yeah. Jake Lloyd said, it's working. It's great. <laughs> Great stuff. Uh, yeah, it, it, uh, as we transition into our anything we disliked and questioned, uh, this was, you know, maybe a bit too many across these two episodes. Uh, the uh, I have a bad feeling about this. It was great to see uh, Balpatine. I've got a bad feeling about this because once he had a reason to have a bad feeling about this because yeah. <laughs> oh, he could not control the Zillow Beast. Uh, but in general, maybe a few too many for me. I was rewatching the second episode a little bit while I was getting ready to, to record with you here and, and that line played. And I just laughed. I was like, it's great to hear old Sheev say that. Yeah, a lot of fun. Great to hear it from Sheev, and and I did love the Master Kenobi has taught you well. Uh, Mm -hmm. Did you have any other canon things, or do you want to move on to things we disliked or questioned? I have one uh, big question I have for you, so let's move uh, move forward. Okay, yeah, yeah. Hit me with your big question. Let me hit me hit you with my best shot here. Uh, So I've I've and I may have even asked this before, and it may have come from Clone Wars, but I don't. I personally, every time I watch Revenge of the Sith, I think about this. And I was thinking about in this episode, Palpatine is in control. He's a phantom menace. Uh, we talk often about, there's probably little moments where he's like, oop, I think Padme gives him several of those moments where he's like, oop, I better re- recalibrate my plan here, recalibrate what I'm thinking. She she uh, threw me a curveball. I think there's definitely moments where Palpatine's thrown off kilter. But I got to ask you this. In this episode, as the monster, as the Zillow Beast, is, is clearly got it in for him, there's a couple moments where I'm like, you know, 
and this is great with the animation, just like, just is Palpatine at, at any point, does he think I've got powers and I need to use them right now to save myself at any point? Or is he just like so confident that everything's happening as it's supposed to and as he has foreseen it, as he's sliding down the Star Destroyer in uh, the you know, uh, uh, Grievous's uh, ship, uh, the Invisible Hand in, in Revenge of the Sith. At any point, does he think I could use my own powers to stop myself sliding down this elevator shaft? You know what I mean? I think about that a lot and it's a silly thing maybe to spend time on. But in this episode, I was like, could he just at any point just try to like, you know what? Turns out I got powers too. Let me try to fight this syllabi is trying to kill me. Yeah, no, I love, I love this thought. I love this question. And uh, my personal headcanon is I like seeing Palpatine is uh, a master manipulator and, you know, hugely powerful, but still just a frail human sentient being. I like that his plans get disrupted and he has to uh, rearrange them. Uh, I think that he is has those moments. I love that idea that he has those moments where like, okay, okay, if Anakin doesn't save me in both instances, this one and <laughs> the one you're talking about, yeah, I might need to escalate plans and we'll figure it out. Like, I think he's still cocky enough to be like, okay, well, that would really suck if I just had to do Order 66 right now, but I, I, could, I could make it work. Yeah, and I think that's part of it. Anyways, I thought about a lot of just like, I think he's, there's a couple times he's like, oh, no, this monster doesn't like me. I think there is some actual panic in this episode, right? Mm-hmm. And I think just, again, thinking, seeing Palpatine as, you know, the Phantom Menace, the unstoppable horror is great and fun, and, and he ultimately in some ways is, but it's still fun to see him as human of like, if you, you know, putting yourself in Palpatine's shoes, which is a scary thing to do, is, you know, if, if you had successfully manipulated the entire galaxy into war for your own benefit and every once in a while uh you know uh padme uh takes you know a, a lower level you know uh, pawn or whatever but he's got everything he wants on the chessboard and then here's a big monster who's just like i see through it all mm-hmm. and i'm roaring about it and i i want to crush you my whole life is you're so evil i see what you are and my whole everything i care about right now is you dying that's yeah. got to rattle him a little bit I think so. I think I think that I think that, that Doctor Bowl line that you said. Well, he he didn't like what you said. It's Palpatine's like, hmm, uh oh, <laughs> and and also maybe doesn't want the he maybe doesn't want the Zillabies to be, expose him. <laughs> maybe he's like, uh, yeah, oh, I've been so successfully hiding from the Jedi all these years, and here comes this monster, and he's going to tell everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I love that, and I think that really is um, the. I think there's some faith in Anakin because it is Anakin who uh, ultimately mm-hmm. saves him. Or, or actually, Anakin sends uh, Artu <laughs> to right. do it. Yep. <laughs> and uh, that's another thing I disliked, uh, but is a thing I wanted to be sure to mention of that great yep. tragedy of seeing Artu rescue Palpatine. In, in a, we've talked about if we ever want, you know, what if comic books or a fun animated series that, that's, you know, not a multiverse, but just a what if things happen different. There's a part of me that wants to see a what if that the Zillabies just did stomp on Palpatine and just smear him to a pulp. What if? And then they lived happily ever after. What if R2 didn't rescue the Phantom Menace? Um, My only other thing that I questioned uh, for myself was, you know, I really do wish that there had been a follow-up. That was such a great uh, cliffhanger. And whether it was in Clone Wars or Rebels, I was reading on the Zillow Beast uh, page, there's a quote from some interview about Filoni uh, saying there's some technical limitations for doing Zillow Beast in Rebels and, and, you know, wasn't sure if it was necessary to follow up on that. And, 
like I said, I saw there's uh, there's a Zilla Beast that shows up in that uh, one shot Kylo Ren comic book. But such yeah. a cool creature, such a cool idea, such a great, scary like we're going to clone it. Um, that I would love some follow up someday in some form. I can give you a scoop right now. Rangers of the New Republic. One of the Rangers is the Zilla Beast. <laughs> I hope they have cloned it so it's like a human-sized Zillow Beast, and I hope it is yep. Carson Tevo walking around with a person in like a weird uh, lizardy, wormy, chitinous armor suit with an arm on its back. That'd be great. Heard it here first on Four Center, everybody. <laughs> uh, anything? Anything else you disliked or question? No, 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 no. I mean, uh, there's one thing I dislike because it just hurt to watch, but it's not one of those dislikes. And the, the tragedy of the actual passing of the Zilla Beast. Follow the Zilla Beast. Uh, is so sad and great music. I want to shout out Kiner, Kevin Kiner again here. Just some great, epic, tragic, operatic music. Just really good stuff and sad to watch this creature die. I'm uh, such a lover of animals. It doesn't mean I uh, want to spend time around all the animals. Some of them freak me out a little bit. But uh, this poor Zilla Beast who knew the truth and dies with that uh, secret, unfortunately, and dies for nothing. Um, it got me. It really got me. Obviously, a recent loss of a pet probably affected me a little bit, but uh, watching some of the stuff. But it got me. It was a really good sequence uh, in the saddest of ways. No, I, I'm with you. I think uh, Kevin Kiner is great job all the time, but this in particular really referencing lots of monster and kaiju music while still keeping it Star Wars is really impressive. And yeah, I was so enjoying these episodes when we were watching them uh, and when I was watching them for this and then getting to that end of like, oh yeah, and it was really hard to watch. It was really a bummer. I had to take a few minutes after after watching to just, uh, yeah. you know, think about the tragedy of the Zillow Beast because it's really well done. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else that we have not t- talked about that you wanted to touch on? No, no, just I, I did put in a section, we already talked about it, but R2 is once again the true hero that saves the day, even for better or worse. Uh, and R2, we love you, man. Yeah, it wasn't your fault, R2. Anakin told you to do it. But some you got to think that R2 kicks himself sometimes. Like, remember when I rocketed that bastard out of there? <laughs> Gosh, yeah. Poor R2. All right. As we begin to wrap up here, we go to some of our fun questions. Uh, if you could have a figure of any character from these episodes, who do you want? Well, so you, you touched on uh, the disc launchers. I definitely want a Doug disc launcher set. You know, you could uh, <laughs> bring it. Uh, maybe it's a water balloon set. Just doesn't have to be like figures, like an action figure, black series. Or just give me the the Doug disc launcher now from play school or something. Just uh, fling it, fling it out in the backyard. Maybe have a dog chase the disc. I don't know. Um, but as far as action figures, I'll tell you what. Uh, we definitely need the. The Joseph Scrimshaw two-pack inspired, uh, Joseph Scrimshaw inspired two-pack of Flying Palpatine and R2 playset. <laughs> oh, yes, that weird Palpatine action figure that only makes sense if he is uh, sitting on top of R2. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you see him without R2? Like, what is this Palpatine with the weird leg position? This is a, yeah. this is a man-spreading Palpatine? What is this? Yeah. Like, oh, and then there'll be like 49 of them on eBay for buy it now <laughs> prices at $2. Like, what is it? Palpatine, what's he holding? There's nothing there. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be up there with weirdest Star Wars toys ever. Um, yeah. uh, we usually talk about action figures. Uh, when I was a kid, I had a small rubber King Kong and a small rubber Godzilla. It had a little bit of wire in them so you could kind of pose them, but not really. Uh, I absolutely love those. I would love a small rubber Zillow Beast. Yes. Uh, and for action figures, uh, I, I often think of the action figures uh, like the uh, superpowers. Uh, 
DC superheroes when I was a kid where you would squeeze their arms or the legs and something else would happen. Uh, I would love a Mace Windu and you could squeeze his legs and then his eyes would roll because he's just <laughs> always a little upset. Mm. Mm. How can it be a plan if it's improvised, he would say. Mm. All right, some great toys for our imagination and sometimes maybe in our uh, reality someday, hopefully. Uh, next up, we've got a single episode. It is season two, episode four. Again, we're doing that chronological uh, watch, so we are jumping all around. Season two, episode four, Senate Spy. Ken, what do you think the moral of this episode of our podcast should be? I, I kind of already uh, teased it earlier, but uh, it, the lesson is when recording your podcast, always choose new file, not save as. <laughs> always choose new file. You heard it here first, everybody. Ken, where can people find us? You can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. Our Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. You can get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Use the uh, audibletrial.com slash Force Center uh, website location to get a free audiobook on us. Uh, you can also use that code FC35 at Inside Editions when checking out to get some discounts on us over there with all their great books. Uh, you can also support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. Follow me at catnapsock or go to catnapsock.com. And for you, Joseph, where can they go? I wonder. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com for links to comedy albums, my other podcast, Obsessed, and tickets to the online comedy variety show I'm doing with my friends, The Double Clicks. We're doing that on Valentine's Day. Like I said, tickets right there on the homepage of my website, josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for the Zillow Beast, this has been the Clone Wars Report. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.